Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week, we look back at a rough week for the Indians, take our final look ahead at this week's NFL draft, and go off the field to look at the silver screen. I am here tonight with two of the best ever. Phil Danko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. So is the Iceman, Tommy Burke. <laughs> hey, Gerbs. Good to be here, bud. Iceman, let's start with you. All right. Over the weekend, 15 people emerged from a cave in southwest France after 40 days underground in an experiment to examine the effect of the absence of clocks, daylight, and external communication. The group lived in a cave and had no contact with the outside world. Scientists monitored the group's sleep patterns, social interactions, and behavioral reactions via sensors. One sensor was a tiny thermometer inside a capsule that participants swallowed like a pill, probably the same one that's in the COVID vaccine. With no daily obligations and no children around, the challenge for the group was to profit from the present moment. As you know, Danko is the host for the 2021 yearly trip. Iceman, let's hear your arguments for why Danko should plan the trip for a cave and extend the trip from its current three days to 40. Yes, we should definitely extend the trip for 40 days. That would be <laughs> outstanding, and I think that should be every year. But I actually beat them to it on this on this whole experiment. I've been doing that in my basement for years. Um <laughs> I'm not impressed by anything that they've done here. Yeah. 40 days, my ass, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Try. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, your basement has a TV and you have a cell phone. Probably you a clock when the or two. sun comes up. Yeah. <laughs> There's no clock. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about with your giant ego, Tom. You compared yourself to these people who spent 40 days in a cave. And I think the funny part was that some of them came out and were quoted as saying they would have stayed longer. They were having such a good time being disconnected from the world. Right. And, and no responsibilities of kids yeah. or anything. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Send me back in. All right. So, uh, Phil... Give that some thought as you're planning this year's trip. Right, uh, I will look into caves. Why don't we go ahead, fellas, and get started on our at-home segment and start with our Tribe Week Cap. Uh, this week, oof, mm. Tribe lost games to the White Sox, Snow, and the Yankees. I think this was the type of week that we were worried about when we talked about the team during spring training. Uh, the bats were silent for most of the week, and the young pitchers just didn't step up and get the job done. The Indians won only one game, and to put that into some perspective, Fran Mill Reyes had twice as many triples last week as the Indians had wins. They finished the week at 9-11, and 11, and they're in third place in the division. So, Phil, is this what we should expect, or is this just a rough week for the team against some good teams? I don't know. I kind of feel like this is what we should expect against the better teams in the American League. And thankfully, we're in the division we're in, so we don't have to face the better teams in the American League uh, more than two series, I think, all season. The Indians were clearly exactly what the New York Yankees needed to get off their slide. Yeah. Uh, they, they came in playing terrible baseball and I mean, the tribe couldn't score any runs. I, I think this division is still won or lost by a team, even as anemic as the tribe looks right now based on head to head matchups. So I, I think it's what to expect when we're playing the Yankees, uh, when we're playing the Astros, when we're playing teams like that, but we can expect more when we're playing teams like the twins and the tigers. I hope. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit optimistic because it feels like throughout the week and 
actually really throughout most of the season, the Indians have had a lot of really hard outs that should turn into hits eventually. Am I on to something or am I just on something? <laughs> well, you're definitely on something. I think it's just going to be an up and down season. And like Phil said, a lot of it has to do with the matchups, but I just think we're going to be a streaky team. Like we're going to probably string together a couple games where, you know, they're actually hitting pretty well. And a Fran Mel Reyes gets two triples against the Yankees. I, I didn't think he'd have two triples. Well, he never had before <laughs> all season, let alone <laughs> yeah. in his career. Um, yeah. Maybe 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And those, uh, no one took just a crazy bounce, which is what it takes for him to get a triple. Yeah. Cause uh, he's not really, I don't think think that fast no he also had a stolen base last week though <laughs> yeah maybe he's been working on his speed i don't know you know it's i just think it's going to be the, that kind of season where you know we we maybe string together a couple good wins again it comes down to home runs or it's nothing that's the problem now we had our one win against the Yankees, where they actually strung some hits together yep. and guys came up with big hits with guys on base um so that's you know that was promising obviously we need to see that a little more more consistently throughout the season. But again, I, I just think it's going to be an up and down year. I think Brian Shaw is still really good. Am I onto something or am I on something? I think you're on something. Although, I mean, he's throwing like mid to upper 90s. Mm -hmm. Yes. Getting yeah. guys out. Um, so maybe actually you're onto something. I could easily be talked into saying you're onto something at this stage anyway, early in the season. He has really been a bright spot and an unexpected bright spot in that bullpen yeah. for sure. I was shocked. I think it was that game they won against the Yankees where he was hitting 96 consistently with his fastball. I, I was amazed. I didn't think that guy, he would have that left in the tank. Uh, I was really surprised. Class A's PEDs, maybe. I think this is good. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever works. Whatever it takes. I know. You guys know <laughs> yeah. me. I've, I've always been in favor of PED use. So. <laughs> what was good for the Indians last week? Gosh, not much of anything. Um, obviously, you can still look at Bieber. Bieber still had another great outing, but of course, yep. didn't get any run support. Yeah, there there really wasn't wasn't much to be thrilled with. Classe though is a stud, and I love watching him pitch. What a great find he is! He'll definitely be our closer for well until we end up having to ship him off to a, a good team. But uh, <laughs> it, let's enjoy him for now because that dude's hitting 102 miles an hour and the ball is dropping. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't, and you know, it's unreal. He's a um, lot of fun to watch. He's a bright spot, um, and obviously every week. You know, Beaver's going to be kind of that bright spot, but there there wasn't much to be thrilled with when it comes to the offense, other than maybe Fran Mill with his triples. Actually, I was going to say Fran Mill, not only his triples, that guy strung together five straight games of really, really good offensive baseball. And this is the guy that early in the season, we were all kind of rightfully so worried about his consistency and can he actually produce from the DH position? We need runs. I mean, he hit triples. He stole a base. He hit home runs. He had multiple games of three hits or more uh, in that five game stretch. It didn't turn into wins because no one was hitting around him much, but I, I think that was a, a bright spot for that week. Uh, as bad as the week was, he, he's, he's such a better hitter when he hits to all fields, um, which is strange to say for such a huge power hitting looking guy, but he really is. So if he keeps that going, that was a huge bright spot. And then the other thing, I think Classe and Karinchek, they gave up zero runs in all of their appearances in that, even though, you know, they were coming in and close games, a two to one, and we didn't have the lead and those kind of things. But yeah, I think Tommy sets the bar too high for what was good. Uh, one of the things <laughs> I had for what was good was they got a hit in every game. Yeah, so, right. We didn't get no, no hit. No, no hitters last week. <laughs> I mentioned him last week. Don't sleep on the Ginger Express, Jordan Luplo. And mm -hmm. I had this down even before 
his game today, which we're recording on Monday night this week, and the Indians just won in extra innings against the Twins on a Jordan Luplo home run. He actually hit the ball pretty well for about the last week and a half. And I'm with you on Reyes. I, I think the way Reyes is hitting the ball the last week or so, 10 days or so maybe, he looks like the guy that we crossed our fingers and hoped he would be in the spring, hitting about 270, hitting for power, driving in runs. That would be amazing uh, if he could keep that up. I'm with you on Karen Check too. He has made 10 appearances this season. He only has two walks, yeah, which is amazing considering what happened to him the latter part of last season. So those are all good things. Now, it only translated into one win, but nonetheless, those are still things at least to be a little bit excited about. Now, Tom, things that were bad for the week or the Tom is smart and I'm not segment <laughs> or the welcome to the Bowers Awards segment. I don't know if you guys were tracking, but my batting average for the last seven days is the same as Bowers batting average in the last seven days. So Tommy, who, who had a bad week for the Indians last week? First of all, I think you've also taken better swings. I've seen better swings from you this week <laughs> than from Bowers. Had a bad week this week. Quantrill out of the, out of the bullpen actually struggled a bunch i noticed he has not been doing well of course we've talked about this logan allen oh you're right he, um, looked, he looked awful yeah he was he was pretty bad the spots of his pitches were just i mean he's leaving yeah. everything right over the middle of the plate um and he's not getting the ball down everything's up and it's in the middle and i thought things were gonna go okay it seemed like his he was starting out all right got through the first inning yeah. Without giving up a run. Yeah. I almost um, I almost talked shit to you. Yeah. In a text. <laughs> and then I was really glad that I waited till the yeah. second inning was over. <laughs> right. As the game was going south, I was uh definitely giving it some thought of you know saying something, yeah. but I'm like, I'll leave it alone. And then yeah. you of course jumped on it anyway. So uh but yeah, that was uh, that was another rough start for him. So we'll see if he how many more opportunities he really gets. My my favorite part of his game was when they'd hit a home run on him. He'd kind of like throw up his hands like he was shocked that it had happened. <laughs> like, what are you yeah. talking about, man? You just threw it 90 miles an hour, belt high over the middle of the plate, and you're shocked that this dude just banged yeah. it 15 rows deep into the right field stand. <laughs> what are you talking about? Phil, what do you think? I think the tribe's hitting coach had a terrible performance in this past week. I, I was listening to some of the games on, on the radio, and Tom Hamilton mentioned this streak that I had to kind of think about for a while. The Indians had gone 35 straight innings without their leadoff batter in that particular inning getting a hit. That's oh. crazy. Oh. 35 innings where you're you're starting the inning. Now, I guess there could have been some walks in there, right? But probably mostly outs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 35 yeah. straight innings. So these guys are just not to this point hitting like a professional hitter should should approach the game right i mean they are not short of reyes in this last week you know you you're going to get what you expect out of a guy like jram and, and that's what you want i mean he should be you know hitting for power and and he's going to make some loud outs and that's fine but the rest of this team who are supposed to be all right let's hit a single push the line up through aren't doing anything or, or, they're taking or terrible yeah make a guy work a little bit throw some pitches the only guy at the back end of our lineup that's working counts is perez and yep you know all right th that's great what we want out of him i suppose but everyone else it's guys like josh naylor like oh my gosh he has no approach at, at the plate yeah so I i'm thinking anyone in charge of uh anyone in charge of the offense of this team has had a really really bad week <laughs> Uh, I had Logan Allen. I had Savali too, because he had a rough mm -hmm. start last week. And I had Naylor. There are times, man, when that guy looks like he has a mountain of talent 
and is going to yeah. mash the ball. There are other times where he's swinging at balls that look like they're over his head almost sometimes. Mm -hmm. He's going down, swings twice and misses, and then looks at a called third strike. And just, you know, the, the lack of discipline at the plate, that guy and Bowers are rally killers, man. If you have runners on base and those guys are coming up, that's when the inning's over. Uh, and that's tough to see because I think they need Naylor to hit this year. So far, it doesn't look like that's what he wants to do. So let's close the book on the one win week from last week. Take a look at this coming week, which has already started with one win. Phil, what are you looking forward to this week? They've got three against the Twins, and then the White Sox come back to town next weekend. I don't know if it's too much to ask, but take two out of three in both of these series puts us right back in the top of the division. Um, if, if we can't take two out of three out of both series, you, you know, go three and three this week. I, I still contend that if if we land around 500 at the end of by the end of May, we're okay in our division. So you can't lose series to the interdivision teams. I just want to see us compete with the White Sox. I just feel like, you know, the White Sox have been dominating us. Um, hopefully we get some wins here first against Minnesota. Follow up tonight's win, hopefully with some momentum and beat up on them a little bit and maybe have some some confidence going into the series against the White Sox. It just seems like we see the see the White Sox over there and we just kind of shut down. Just don't have much going on there. And and, and the White Sox are legit. I mean, they're a good team. They got great offense. Yeah, it's a so, good lineup. Yeah, so I mean, you, you're, you're going to have to show up with those bats and then, you know, to, to stay with them. And so hopefully, like Phil said, I mean, start winning some series. I mean, that's that's the big going each series and trying to win a, win a series. So hopefully we can do that, especially against our division. Yeah, I'd like to see them get back on track against the Twins. Maybe tonight's win is one of those things that builds some momentum for the team. I'm also looking forward to the fact that Wednesday is a day game. I love day baseball games because it means I can watch it while I'm supposed to be working, and that's always <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> so hopefully they get things back on track this week. Let's move on from the Indians and take one last final look at the Browns in the upcoming NFL draft this week. Before we dive into the 2021 draft, let's go back 30 years the 1991 Cleveland Browns draft. Now, this is an odd thing in the way the calendar works in sports. In 1991, the draft, as always, occurs in the spring. So this was actually before we started high school. We were all still in eighth grade when this draft went forward. Anybody want to take a shot at who the Browns picked number one in 1991? Our first pick? So what, what position were we picking in? Can I ask that question? We were the second pick that year. Oh my gosh, really? 1991, second pick of the draft. Don't be Googling it, Burke. I see you. Wow. I didn't realize we were picking in 91. We were picking that high. Yeah. I, I was going to guess Eric Turner, but I don't think we took Eric Turner second in the draft. Tommy, what do you think? Yeah. I thought Eric Turner was more of a late yeah. first rounder. Touchdown, Tommy Vardell. Mike Junkin. <laughs> <laughs> both glorious picks, both wrong. You guys should have gone with your guts. It was Eric Turner. Really? Yep. Oh, it was? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he was more late first round. Okay. Nope. Man. Eric Turner. Uh, second stud. pick. I know. I love that guy. Um, a guy named Ed King, who was a guard, was our second round pick. James Jones, defensive tackle in the third. Pio Sangapudu. Ah, damn it. I wanted to get it so good. Pio <laughs> Sangapulatelli <laughs> was a fourth round pick. And they picked in the sixth round. They took the thriller, Michael Jackson. Yes. Remember that guy? <laughs> Number yeah. one in your program and in your hearts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kept waiting for that dude to be awesome. And he kept on not being. <laughs> um, so the one thing I looked at when I saw this was three of their first four picks were on the defensive side of the ball. 
So, Tommy, uh, what are you hoping for from the Browns in the first round this year, defense or offense? For the first round pick, I'd like to go defense, maybe some linebacker help. One guy that's on their radar is the linebacker from Kentucky. I mean, I guess he's got a ton of speed and obviously that SEC speed. So, you know, that's always good. Oh, you love SEC speed. Oh, yeah. I got to love that SEC, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I'd I'd like to see them add to the, the linebacker crew. And, uh, and if not, then maybe go D line, you know, we talked about last week that, you know, we're kind of in that position. We're in a, a position of strength where we could actually, um, uh, just kind of take the best player available. Or like we also said last week, maybe trade it away and add some additional picks also, and then just kind of move back a little bit and again, pick some guys on that defensive side. So yeah, I'd like to see more, more on that defensive side linebacker, uh, D-line. I've seen them also looking possibly at the linebacker from Notre Dame. All of a sudden, it starts to you just get a little bit closer to this thing. You, it, it starts to shake out and settle down a little bit, and it's, it's looking more and more like it might be linebacker. What about you, Phil? Do you want to see them use that first-round pick on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side? I love the position our Cleveland Browns are in currently because if they stay at 26, so if they don't trade up or trade down and consolidate picks, because I, I agree with you guys from last week, I, I can't imagine they're going to actually pick nine rookies this year. They have nine picks. They're going to package some of those together one way or another. But if they stay yeah. at 26, you don't reach on talent that maybe you can get in the second or third round. Now, if if that best player available, you got guys rated at, at you know linebacker, at safety, at DB, at, at defensive tackle, great, because that kind of fits a need where we need to build some depth. If it's a wide receiver, take the wide receiver. Don't pass on a guy that could be your starting wide receiver for the next five years after we don't re-sign some of the guys that are going to be asking for a ton of money in the next couple. I'm with you guys. I think I'd like to see them make the pick first of all, rather than move up or down. Let, let's get first round talent, even if it's late first round talent. Let, let's get that pick done. And I'd like to see it on the defensive side. I, if I look back to the things that I remember about last season, which are already starting to fade because I can't remember stuff from that long ago, <laughs> uh, but somehow I still remember all the lyrics to "Bad Medicine" by Bon Jovi. <laughs> like, why do I remember that? But I can't remember like who the the Browns won a game against in like week 17, six months ago. When I look back at last season, by halfway through the year, the offense was humming. The offense is in a really solid place right now. If you get a defense that can start holding teams under 20 points a game, this team can win some games. And so that's why I'd like to see them lean a little bit on the defensive side for the draft. Uh, Before we move on and take our first break, we do need to check in on our competition with the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs versus the show was a little bit touch and go last week because the Cavs grabbed another win. So we were all tied up at 21. Then on Friday, I got my second shot of Moderna. And so I wasn't sure whether I was going to be ready to record because I've heard people get pretty sick after that second shot. You know, I was trying to plan for it throughout the weekend and really thinking like, hey, this could be my flu game. Like (laughs) Michael Jordan stepping up, doing my job in the clutch while not feeling well. But then I had absolutely no problems at all. The unprofessional and unprepared director of player development was in the hospital again this weekend. So that was an issue I had to deal with my wife being in the hospital. But again, we got it done. This will be our 22nd episode when it's published. And I feel pretty good about our chances this week since the Cavs played the Raptors tonight. They've already lost and they were missing seven players for the game. (laughs) So if they keep that up, if they continue to have to play with only five guys 
or six guys on the team, I, I like our chances a lot. What do you guys think for the rest of this week? Are the Cavs getting another win or two to try to pull ahead of us by next weekend? You happen to have the schedule in front of you as to who we're <laughs> no, playing? It no. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going to go on the side of the Cavs picking up another win this week and at least keeping it a tie between us and the Cavs. Okay. What about you, Phil? Yeah, you I didn't get a chance to weigh in last week. I, I know. I, I, I like that new game. I was I was weighing in. You just couldn't hear me because I was listening to it three days after you recorded. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I, I like the Cavs' chance of tying us this week, but not taking the lead. I feel like we're coming out of this week ahead and we're going to be able to extend our lead with next weekend's show. So I am still on the side of the show over the Cavs. Fellas, why don't we end there, go ahead and take our first break, and we'll head out on the road. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by the Autoresponder. We've all been there. You're at home watching a game or your favorite show about home improvement or cooking when your spouse or significant other interrupts to talk to you about their day or tell you a story that doesn't really have anything to do with you. We all know the challenges of trying to pay attention to whatever you're watching while providing an appropriate level of conversation to avoid getting in hot water. Well, those challenges can now be a thing of the past with the autoresponder. The autoresponder is a one-of-a-kind technology that uses artificial intelligence and your own voice to automatically provide responses without your active participation. When a conversation starts, just turn on the autoresponder, and it will provide the appropriate number of uh-huhs, what did you do, or that's interesting, tell me more, so that you can keep your attention focused while the conversation rolls on. Turn on the advanced settings and autoresponder will add such phrases as they really don't appreciate you enough at that place. Oh, no, she didn't. That is an interesting dream. What do you think it means? I saw that on Facebook, too, and I was very offended. Or, I'm good with whatever you want to eat tonight. Before you know it, you will be carrying on whole conversations with friends or loved ones without missing a moment of the big game or a single big reveal. Best of all, your family and friends will appreciate what a great listener they think you have become. Don't miss a thing. And don't say a thing with the autoresponder. Welcome back, fellas. Let's start our second segment and go out on the road and stay with the NFL draft. It's only a couple days away, so I'd like to get some predictions from you guys. As we've discussed several times already, the quarterbacks get all the attention in the draft. And this year, there's a really good chance that five quarterbacks are going to go in the top 15. Do either of you know how many times that has happened in the history of the NFL? Three times. Uh, I'll say once. I have no idea. I so, think I'm right. So I was correct. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think it's ever happened. Five <laughs> quarterbacks in the top 15 is a ton. I didn't look it up. I just thought it would be funny to ask the question and then tell you I didn't know the answer. It was hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well you. played. Thank you, man. See, everybody needs positive reinforcement. So That's do right. I. The top five quarterbacks are Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, in no particular order. I think we know from history that it's impossible that all of those guys are going to hit. So of those five guys, who do you think is going to be the best NFL quarterback? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's got the size. He's got the skill set. He can move. Coming from a good program, a winning program, 
he's just kind of had that it factor from from day one. You know, the guy wins a national championship his freshman year. He's been uh, NFL so, ready for three yeah, years. Yeah, pretty right? much. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he, I just think you know, obviously the odds are in his favor for for being that guy. That's yeah. you know going to be probably you know be the best out of the group. I think a lot of times when you look back at the quarterbacks taken in the top ten, every now and again, a team that typically isn't that bad ends up in the top 10 because they had a terrible season and they draft that quarterback and that quarterback lands on a team that is really ready to win now. Trevor, so you're Lawrence, going with Lawrence too. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is going to an <laughs> urban Meyer led Jacksonville Jaguars who admitted the, that he didn't really understand free agency. So yeah. I don't know. I don't <laughs> he found know. it very frustrating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean? I can't just recruit anyone I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These so, guys want to get paid more. I don't yeah. understand it. So there's a learning curve there. He's going, you know, Jacksonville wasn't, wasn't that bad that long like ago. Two seasons ago. Yeah. Were right. Playoffs, I think. And it was based on defense. So I don't know, maybe they're ready for a, a little bit of a, of a rebound and he ends up in a good spot. And I don't know. I don't have the draft order in front of me. I think um, the 49ers, because we keep looking at that spot at three, they're up in three right now. And that's not a bad roster, right? Um, and, and they don't need a starting quarterback necessarily. So you might get into a situation where whether it's a guy like, is it Trey Lance from, from North Dakota State, a guy that they look at and say, all right, this guy fits our offense comes in and has a pretty good career because Jimmy G gets traded in a year or two. That's a hard call to make. You look back at, at past drafts and it is a flip of the coin when you're talking about these these top 10 quarterbacks as to, to how well they end up. It's either Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf sometimes. Yeah, right. And that's right. really That's, that's really a lot bad. of it, right? I think I'm with Berkey. I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. I think the guy has just been built to be a quarterback and he's gotten all of the, the training and experience he needed out of that Clemson program. I think he's one of those guys, maybe the way Andrew Luck was, maybe the way Peyton was, where it's 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 a can't miss type of guy. So if he's the can't miss guy, which one of those five guys is going to be awful? <laughs> I'm going to go with Mac Jones. All right. Um, All right. I don't know if you've heard of this guy, but he played for <laughs> Alabama. Uh, I'm not saying that he's going to be bad. I just, I'm just not as high on him as a lot of these people seem to be. And I, I get that he looked good, but how do you not look good when you got the wide receivers and the talent that he had around him? I mean, yeah. they were ridiculous last year. So I, you know, I just don't think that was all him. I think the talent around him was just absolutely ridiculous. One thing that has surprised me is how much Justin Fields has actually kind of dropped going into the season last year, especially throughout the college season. You know, most people had him as their number two guy. And now it seems like out of the whole group, he's actually at the bottom of the list of those top five, you know, quarterbacks. I'm kind of surprised by that. It was not known, but he has epilepsy, um, which that came out this week that I, you know, nobody knew about. And, you know, they kept that kept that quiet so you know that could be a, a concern for a lot of teams obviously in a sport like this that you know you have a an issue like that so um but i still think he'll end up going well you were saying what top 15 i've seen him as as high still as most quarterbacks actually gone within the first six or seven picks yeah with with teams moving up and stuff so thank you who do you think is going to be terrible out of that group of five i think uh zach wilson i i'm gonna put all of my chips in that i think he's gonna get taken second, as you mentioned, and he'll be traded before they sign his extension, much like Sam Darnold. Is that based on... You don't like Mormons? <laughs> I, I, is that based on Zach Wilson, or is that based on the fact that he's going to the Jets? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Good so, point. So that, that's my point. Like a, a team like the Jets take a Zach Wilson number two. Um, they're going to expect him to go out there and start probably right away. Well, they got rid of Darnold, so yeah. BYU is 
on occasion, a top 25 program. They've been a good program. I don't know that he's faced a lot of competition in his college career. I don't know why. He just seems like that guy that is is very Sam Darnold-esque, where the Jets are going to take him. They're not going to get much out of him because they're not going to surround him with talent. And maybe his best stop is his second stop. And this is a guy that's going to get picked second in the draft. And I think Justin Fields falling lower is to his benefit. He's going to end up on a better team. Yeah, the one I saw had him going ahead, uh, New England moving up to take him. I think there's so much uncertainty in what's going to happen. I saw several today that Justin Fields going to the Niners at three. There was all this time where all of a sudden he was falling in behind some of these other guys and you couldn't figure out why. And again, things have kind of settled down. Justin Fields has moved kind of back up to where he, almost to where he should be. I'm going with Mac Jones because I'm not 100% sure that he's not Colt McCoy. And of that group, I don't think that's a guy that's going to be, might have a career like McCoy's. McCoy's hung around and been a backup and yeah. spot starter yeah. for 10 years or something like that. Still in the um, league. Yeah, but he's not going to be one of these like game-changing or franchise-changing quarterbacks. So sticking a little bit more with the quarterbacks, the consensus seems to be right now that Lawrence goes first, Zach Wilson goes second. Tommy, who's the next quarterback off the board? Well, again, a lot of what I've seen actually had Mac Jones. I, I just I, I just don't see it, but I mean, I guess if people are that high on him, uh, who's the, the kid from North Dakota State? Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance. I, I think Trey Lance might be that next guy. I, I'm just going to predict that Mac Jones falls a little lower than most people thought, and and then I'll probably be wrong. I'm going to go with Justin Fields. I, I think a lot of this has been kind of, all right, you know, these teams aren't going to tell the media exactly what they're yeah. doing. They've all evaluated these quarterbacks up and down. Um, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the pod, you know, all year long in college, it was Lawrence and Fields were the top two quarterbacks coming out of college football, playing the best competition you could possibly play in mm -hmm. college football. So I, I, I think Fields is the third one off the board. I'm with you, Phil. I think it's going to be him. I think he goes higher than people were expecting a week or two weeks ago. And I think most of this is just noise where the media just has mm -hmm. to have, some, have something to talk about for yeah. two weeks and none of it means anything. I get an alert like every four seconds of a different <laughs> mock draft. <laughs> We've combined 17 different drafts and this is your <laughs> ultimate mock draft. The whole thing's going to get blown up by one trade. In like the first <laughs> Let's move off of the quarterbacks over under on the number of running backs taken in the first round, 0.5. I'm going to go over. Someone's going to take a running back in the bottom six picks. I'm going over because Najee's definitely going first round. Yeah. I reviewed at least three. Not 17. <laughs> Not 17, but I, I, I reviewed at least three mock drafts today that had no running backs going in the first round. But I'm with you guys. I think that. Uh, I think that Harris goes in the first round, so I'm, I'm going to take the over on that too. I think it may actually end up being two with ETN going as well. Mm, from uh, Clemson. From Clemson. Possible. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. It's just I, such I, an I think under – they don't value that yeah. pick at all. I mean, you look at it. Well, I, I agree. But those, Nick I mean, Chubb those, was a second-round pick in the same draft as Saquon Barkley, and if you had to throw those two guys up right now, it's a – I would take Nick Chubb. <laughs> you yeah, know, I mean yeah. – Barkley went to Barkley can't stay healthy either. So yeah. 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 Which Alabama wide receiver is going first? Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle? Jalen Waddle just has, you know, has more size. Um he he unfortunately had that devastating injury last year when he was returning the kick and rolled his ankle. But um Devontae looked like a video game, not only against the Buckeyes, but pretty much anybody he played against. I mean, he's unreal. Uh unfortunately, you know, he's pretty slender. 
and going up against NFL guys, I think that has some people probably concerned um, at, at whether he's able to stay healthy or not. And it's most of the, most of the stuff I've looked at. Most people have Waddle ahead of him, and I'm sure there's plenty of reasons for it. By uh, you know, from people that have done a heck of a lot more research than I have. So I, I agree. I think Waddle. I think he before that injury, he had the NFL kind of body and pedigree, so to speak, uh, coming into the season. Smith is a phenomenal talent, clearly a phenomenal talent, but he's like Gerald McNeil size, I think. So you're you're going to have to fit mm. that into a very very specific game plan in the NFL. Uh, both are going to be first round picks, I think, uh, but Waddle then um, Devontae Smith. I'm going to go with Devontae Smith because one of the things that frustrates me sometimes about the NFL is they worry too much about all of the body numbers and they just don't look for guys who are amazing at playing football. And that dude was amazing at Alabama last year. So I think Devontae Smith will go before Waddle. Kyle Pitts has been billed as the next dominant tight end over under on his draft position, 6.5. Under. I, I bet he goes, I'm going to say he goes around 10. I don't know who's drafting where, but. Well, then you don't want to go. <laughs> well, under. that would be over 6.5. Is- oh, I, I took it as the, this is your, your scales have confused me. Over no, this, week. <laughs> this one was the simplest one he's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's I why took I, this off I, of like DraftKings. I, I didn't, didn't even make this one so, up. <laughs> so the over under, we're actually talking about a bigger number, right? So okay, so lower in the draft. So I'm going over, not under. Is that what you mean? Let's you're going higher that, than way, six and a half. The way that no, I understand this is you either are saying he's getting picked seventh or later, yes, or sixth. That, or earlier. I am I'm saying greater than or less than is kind I, of the way this works. Right. <laughs> Based on the number, right? Uh, so I was thinking in my head draft and when you say higher it's up the board, right? So uh I'm going to say he's getting are you talking? I'm going to explain. He's going to get drafted <laughs> 7 or lower. That's what okay. I'm saying. So you're taking the over a higher number. You're taking a higher, higher number. number. Okay. A higher number than 6.5. Okay. Tom, do you still understand what we're talking about? The alligators <laughs> eating the higher oh, no. number. <laughs> yeah. My head's going to explode from that conversation. Um, All right, it's time to talk about abortion. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, Not in my outline. What do you think, Tommy? I think he is going to go right around. There's a reason why it's six and a half because I think he's going to go yeah. sixth or seventh, and I'm going to—I'll say seventh. I think he's going to go seventh. He is a stud. I, I saw quite a bit of him. Um, this season. And I mean, he's, he's unreal. He's definitely going to be the next great tight end. Okay. I think I'm going to take the under because I think there's a chance that a team like Atlanta, if they don't move out of that four spot, they, they may take him just because they've still got a quarterback. Who's pretty good. They're kind of that weird rebuilding, not rebuilding phase where maybe they'll be looking for a quarterback next year, but they can get, they can get a guy and lock up a player that everybody seems to think is a guaranteed stud for the next 10 years. So I say he goes, he goes lower than 6.5 and I'm taking the under. Cause that is what you say when you <laughs> want to be lower higher number. than the number side, <laughs> the higher Whoa. number is lower in the draft. All right. right. Well, they're I, actually looking to possibly trade Julio Jones. I saw today because they have such yeah. cap, they have they're such in, cap yeah. problems. Yeah. That, cap yep. hell, yeah. So then you bring yeah. in a Kyle Pitts. Who's awesome. But then you, you lose a Julio Jones. It's like, Matt Ryan can't win. Uh, he had his chances. <laughs> I, for one, am, I would agree. I'm glad that we're done talking about the draft for tonight. <laughs> Me so, too. Yeah, that was exhausting. <laughs> Let's move into Euro League soccer. 
Nice. I don't know if you guys saw last week that the new Euro Super Soccer League folded faster than the fan-controlled football <laughs> league. <laughs> it was actually not a very good joke because the fan-controlled football league didn't fold at all. But, I mean, within it seemed like about 48 hours of the announcement of a bunch of the really high-end European soccer clubs were going to get together and form their own league and get out of the structure that they're in. 48 hours later, the thing was destroyed and it was gone. Now, I know that that's not as big a deal here as it is in Europe, but I'm wondering if you have some thoughts on if there would be an equivalent of that in U.S. sports and and what that might look like, Phil. Yes. um, Actually, we've talked about it in the past. It would be like your power five college football teams forming their own conference, leaving the NCAA, paying their players forming their own playoff system. All this sounds amazing (laughs) as I say it, you know, but that's exactly what it would be like. And, and maybe if they tried to do that, it would fold as quickly as this did because of all the other things that would be problematic in that system, right? Like you you would lose all sorts of uh, uh, support of, of the, the rest of the NCAA and these kind of things, but we've talked about it. We feel like it could work in college football. So I think that would be the best analogy. What do you think, Tom, anything other than that? Because I think Phil's right. That was um, one of the ones that I wrote down. Well, with the way the NBA is going, and you just have uh, like mm-hmm. five good teams, you could pretty much just get rid of get rid of the rest of the league and just have the five teams that have three studs on each team, and uh, you like know they can idea. create their own league. Or, in my opinion, just go ahead and have the NBA fold completely. No, no, no. Reform the well, ABA. The top the top yeah. teams could say in the NBA, and and the Cavs. Can they go back the, to using the, the red, ABA. white, blue ball? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's all I. You got know what me. I think. It could be something like the NBA players deciding on their own. Mm. Like enough of this. Well, they're just going to start our own league. Yeah, yeah. they're already yeah. kind of doing it. The yeah. next logical step to player empowerment is we're just going to start our own league because guess what? Uh, the fans don't come out to see the uniforms and they don't necessarily come out out of loyalty just for the teams. They, they come out because they want to be entertained by the best in the world. And if the top I don't know, 70 guys in the league or 50 guys in the league go and form their own league. I don't know. Maybe people watch that. I think the college football thing falls apart for a lot of the same reasons that this Euro Super League fell apart. It was about the fans. Like the fans were the ones who were like, no way. You're you're kind of wrecking a structure that we love. And we know that fans love their college football teams. You know, they mm-hmm. love their alma maters. They love their in-state teams. And if you were to take two or three great teams in the Big Ten, two or three in the Pac-12, two or three in the SEC, two or three in, in the Big 12, and form like super conferences, you'd have a lot of Ohio State fans pissed off that they're not playing Michigan anymore because yeah. Michigan obviously would no longer be in that Enough. group and would not make the jump yeah. to the new super college football league. They should be D3. Right. Wow. All the way down. Man, you give them one double A or whatever it is, the football championship, championship series, or other. Sure, whatever right. they call it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that's probably where something like that would fall apart. But it seems like college football or maybe even college basketball would be the place it's most likely to happen. But it's not happening in European soccer, and it's probably not happening in college football either. But, gentlemen, with that, let's take our final break, and then we will head off the field. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor, NBA Top Shot, the industry leader in blockchain collectibles is expanding its collection and looking for new contributors with Regular Guy Top Shot. Now your day-to-day can become a valuable collectible. 
All you need is a cell phone video and our crypto tech. Lower the hoop to six feet and posterize your 10-year-old? That could be a collectible an investor might pay millions for. Just turn your 11-year-old daughter's weak cheese into a towering backyard wiffle ball bomb? Hit submit and watch the cash roll in. Smoke your five-year-old in a race from the car to the house while yelling Usain Bolt? Can you say instant classic? Regular guy Top Shot isn't even limited to sports. The next time someone asks you to open a pickle jar, record, submit, and watch as your old man's strength becomes a permanent highlight. Wife needs something from the tall cabinet? Let America see and bid on your impressive reach. Hop on the blockchain collectible train, carefully so you don't turn an ankle, today. Submit your everyday highlights to regular guy Top Shot. Welcome back, fellas. Let's head off the field and let's cover one of Tommy's favorite topics. It is award show time. The Oscars were last night, and I know how much Tommy loves seeing celebrities pat each other on the back for how great they've done in the previous year, but we're going to spend some time recapping last night's 2021 Oscars. Can either of you guess the number of nominations for an Oscar that the Borat sequel received uh, at least one. Yeah. I saw it in the commercial, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> probably, got, kind of probably got like four or five or something. Didn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, so Burke was on the over Denko on the under. It actually got <laughs> two. It got nominated for best supporting actress and best adapted screenplay did not win either, but I'm shocked Ooh. that it was there. I don't want to be like all these other entertainment shows that are covering like the big names and stuff like that. I want to go through where the real work in movies is getting done and the awards that are honoring those people. So the first one we're going to discuss is best costume design. Denko, what's your all-time favorite movie costume? I'm going to say Sloth from Goonies. Oh, good one. How about you, Tom? That is a good one. Probably the Tin Man. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to go with Jim Carrey as the Riddler in the Batman movie because he had that light up jacket with all the question marks on it. Yeah. And he had the line where he said that it kept him safe while he was jogging at night, <laughs> which still kills me. <laughs> that was a great line. Last night, uh, the best costume design went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I don't know, they just wore like regular old timey clothes in the movie. And that didn't seem fair to me when one of the other nominees was Pinocchio and his costume had to be made of wood. Burke, what do you think? Was that a fair win for best costume design last night no pinocchio got robbed for sure <laughs> what you again no. <laughs> pinocchio just can't win <laughs> i blame geppetto yeah. <laughs> are you on burke's side of that phil yes yeah i feel they got right. robbed another important part of making movies that often gets overlooked is the sound so last night they gave out an award for best sound. Burke, what's your favorite all-time sound in a movie? Probably Roy Hobbs hitting the home run in the oh, ninth. All right. Good that's one. A, that's a legit answer. I like yeah. that. <laughs> so yeah. What about you, Phil? I was going to say something but from Titanic, but I, I went another route. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Sloth from Goonies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> your favorite, favorite, favorite sound as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can, whole, can you do it? Thing was great. Hey, you guys. <laughs> I give it a four out um, of five. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, what's the scale out of 12? Um, <laughs> I'm going with the most annoying sound in the world from dumb and dumber oh, when and they're dumber. in the car with the hitman. <laughs> 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 last night, the sound of metal won for best sound. 
And don't you think it's unfair to give the sound award to the movie that has the word sound in the title? Yes. That shouldn't be included at all. <laughs> it's what Tom, the whole what movie's you... about. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they created the movie just to win that award. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's just make a movie about a sound. <laughs> I hate it when they pander to the Academy like that. That's yes. really bad. You know what? Enough of covering these hoity-toity Oscars. Why don't we get something that people really want to learn about? So tonight, we're going to discuss the first ever unprofessional and unprepared real-life movie awards. What movie gets the real-life movie award for best terrible movie that you've watched more than five times? Oh, probably Eyes Wide Shut. Wait a minute. You've seen that more than five times? Yeah. Yeah. This is a problem. You know why? You know why? Because I used to, when I would, uh, when I lived alone and I was single, that movie was always on when I'd come home drunk at night on like HBO or whatever. It was somehow, it was like every Friday night, Eyes Wide Shut was on. Now I didn't, no, I didn't watch it from start to finish more than five times. But, Understood. But that Fidelio mm-hmm. thing really sucks me in and I, I have to watch those weird scenes. I'm not sure I've seen Eyes Wide Shut once. <laughs> Denko, more of a, how about more of you? a vanilla sky guy? Yeah, I do like that movie. So, <laughs> so the uh, the stipulation over five times that that's that's rough. I'm going to go with uh, Multiplicity. Oh uh, wow! All right, yeah, yeah, Multiplicity. That's a good movie. It is a good movie, but you shouldn't watch that five times or more <laughs> um that just popped into my head because it was on our college movie channel that they would run it in a 30-day span it would be on 15 times and you know just watching michael keaton be a copy of a copy of a copy it's it's not a great movie <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go with the replacements oh that's a great movie it's historically accurate sort of it's got keanu doing keanu things It's got Gene Hackman as a coach. You can't go wrong there. I really love it. There's a lot of really terrible lines, and I can't turn it off whenever it's on. So the replacement gets my real-life movie award. Best movie you watched with your kids? Probably Avengers Endgame. They're big into all the Avengers movies. Most of what I've seen with them really ends up being Avengers. Uh, Of course, there hasn't been a ton of stuff released over the last year or so either. So I would say Avengers Endgame was pretty good. My kids are super young, so I think it's uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. No, it's... Basic instinct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say the best movie I have watched with both of my boys is a toss-up between Moana and Up. I made my kids watch Hoosiers with me once, oh, and nice. I don't think they liked it, no but I cares. loved it. <laughs> yeah, right. Again, Gene Hackman as a coach, uh, run the picket fence. You can't go wrong with Hoosiers. All Absolutely. right. Real life movie award for the most acceptable rom-com to watch with your buddies. Oh, geez. The most acceptable rom-com to watch with you guys, huh? It's basic instinct count. It's <laughs> <laughs> <No>. hilarious. <laughs> there were some funny, hey, Newman's in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Newman is in that movie. <laughs> so a romantic comedy that uh, is acceptable to watch. Uh, is there one? Uh, Princess Bride. Okay, good one. Good one. Nice save. Tommy, yeah. to you. Uh, the Notebook. <laughs> I remember movie, watching that with you. That, that movie wonderful. is, yeah, we've, we've all watched that together and held each other. And it obviously tons of laughs when she's in that hospital and, you know, has dementia and all that, man, that is some funny stuff. And she was on the IL. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't on the disabled list. That's no. offensive. I would go with for love of the game with Kevin Costner, hmm, sure. because you can fast forward through 
all of the parts with the woman. And it really just becomes a story about the pitcher and the catcher and like their relationship and him pitching a perfect game. All right. Real life movie awards. Best all-time movie theater usher. Chuck Rambaldo, Tim Schantz, Matt Miller, or Jason Gerber? Oh, this is tough. I'm going to base this on stats. You let me into more movies for free than any of those guys combined. All right. <laughs> Not that they didn't. I mean, they, they tried, but they were, you, you know, you were Framil Reyes and they were one of the Rosario brothers. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with you because just pure volume free movies. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to go with Shantz just because I love the thought of Shantz being an usher at a movie theater. <laughs> that had to be just, I didn't get out there as much as some of the guys. So I, I, I didn't get as much interaction. Just thinking of Shantz as the, as the usher is just makes me laugh to this day. Yeah. He would have been your dark horse candidate for sure. I guess I'm going to go with Chuck because he was there first, but only because it seems like a dick move to pick myself. Last thing, not really an award, but what moment in your life do you think should be made into a movie? Wow. What rating can we put on this movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, something R or below. All right. So, so the general mass is over under is R. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, that really narrows the selection. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say the moment in my life that I wish my eyes were a camera and we were recording and it became a scene in a movie is when Tom Burke went head over heels over the left field wall during the middle of a baseball game. It's hard to make that into a whole movie, but sure. Well, it's a scene. It could be part. It's like the, the high school baseball version of Hoosiers. <laughs> That's All right, Tommy. Some tickets. Personally, I think any of our, our trips could be made into movies. I mean, you got okay. the, it's basically the hangover, but not hangover too, um, okay. which was terrible. All, right. uh, all of ours are just the hangover. And, okay. uh, it's more like yeah. the cabin. It's more like the cabin. Yeah, we can do the cabin. <laughs> but we've had some other great moments throughout the years that weren't always at the cabin, but uh, at, a, at a cabin. But uh, yeah, I okay. would say I would say we we could entertain people for for many hours, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Denko. I'm not sure if you're going to remember this, but the moment in my life that I thought should be made into a movie was maybe it was senior year or junior year of high school, and you and I cut out of a lion pride club meeting and tried to go get a drink from every drinking fountain in the entire school. <laughs> we almost made it. And we almost made it. We got to, I think the only one we couldn't get to was there was a drinking fountain in the front lobby of the big gym and the doors were locked because it was during the school day. And so we couldn't get there. And I think maybe Miss Rickleman found us at one point and was like, what the hell are you guys doing? You're supposed to be in class right now. And we had to go back, but uh, we came really close. And I think that would make a good movie. It is. It it is not, it's like an adventure quest kind of movie. I like yeah, it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's right up there with like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Gerber yeah. and Danko yeah. Drink yeah. from water. <laughs> that's, that's how we pitch it to Hollywood. Yeah. It's like Harold yeah. and Kumar, except it's different. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of the movie industry and the silver screen. Tommy, how's the weight loss going? Uh, it wasn't much of an uptick, but I'm at 37. Nice. So, hey, still moving in the right direction, brother. Yeah. You know, to be moving forward like that, I think it's really important for you to be keeping a written record of your progress. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was excited to hear earlier this week that you're almost done with your weight loss memoir, How to Love Being a Loser Every Day. So when can your fans expect to, that to be released? And are you concerned the title might confuse people about the subject of the book? <laughs> no, they'd be right on both counts. Um, <laughs> it's going to be out soon, and it's going to be released also on OceanPacific.com. <laughs> 
Nice. I was just shopping for banana hammocks. Now yes. I, I can get yeah. your memoir. Yeah, they go. They definitely go together. Uh, you wear that banana hammock and do a little reading, and so it's, Tommy, a, good, it's a good time. As the weight is coming off, are you finding yourself getting more opportunities to to be active and and to work a little bit harder? Yeah, I'm doing a little more of the biking. I'm looking forward to our weather improving and actually staying nice instead of this up and down garbage uh so that i can do in june uh, a little more out yeah maybe uh do a little more outdoor things you know i'm saying i'm also i'm i gotta set up an appointment so i can start figuring out my back and hopefully whether it's a shot or you know some, something can be done to ease some of this nerve issue that i have because even though the walking and stuff has still been causing me problems so oh man but but the biking seems to uh be a good thing where it's low impact so i you know just trying to gradually increase my minutes on that and uh, i'm pushing for hopefully um the big four O by the end of this week hopefully with uh, some you know more activity nice danko can you recommend some stretches for tom for his back part of me wants you to get better and the other part of me wants us to laugh so <laughs> <laughs> So I'm conflicted a bit. Yeah. <laughs> a, I, where is I'm that not going to help you because I want to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I'm going to do both. We're going to do both. We're oh, going to laugh okay. and get you uh, where you nice. need to be. From a stretching standpoint, I, I don't know if that's the way to go, to be honest with you. You've got an irritated nerve. So let, let's stay away right. from some, some end range uh, static stretching. What I will offer you is this. As the weather gets better, if you want to go on a real bike ride, Let's make this like a weekly deal. I'll come find you. We'll get mm -hmm. our bikes. Let's go on a bike ride. Okay. I'll, let's get some all white shoes, all white bike uniforms, <laughs> whatever we got to do. Yeah. And we'll hit the trails, man. We'll hit the trails in Northeast Ohio and we'll start slow. But I, I, I would be up for that, man. If you want to do that like once a week, every week, let's do it. Absolutely. Uh, we should record a show riding bikes <laughs> while we're yeah, riding bikes. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's Amateur comedians yeah. on bikes getting beer. <laughs> Yeah. And those white shoes and everything can all be found on oceanpacific.com. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely riding. In oh, the, man. The we better get a sponsor out of this. Yes. All right, boys. We're out of time. I am out of questions for now. You guys have a great week and let's do this again real soon. Sounds all great. Right. Thanks. Sounds boys. good. Blood clot in her lung. She said it was the worst pain she's ever felt. It was worse so, than the appendix before it got taken out. So the the pain she felt was like acute, like chest pain is what happened, right? Like it, she thought it was like a pain in her back. We didn't know what oh, it was. So it was like radiating through her trunk. Wow, wow. Yes, radiating through her trunk. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. That's what we called it. But yes, yes, that's uh, what I call it. I'm a fucking doctor. <laughs> there was there was nothing there was nothing cute about it, Phil. Acute. It's all right. You looked all right while it was happening. Yeah. yeah. Tammy is a gorgeous woman. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. She makes it look cute, but it's Pul not normally cute. Pulmonary embolism or not. She's a gorgeous woman. So she's uh, okay though. She's, she's doing all right. She's yeah. I mean, she's home. Um, well, glad she's home. Yeah. And you guys all signed the HIPAA release, right? So I could tell, tell all this information to you.
Or maybe Tammy <laughs> Tammy signed one, maybe? Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> How does this matter. work? Yeah. It doesn't matter if we signed it. I'm not sure my signing that has anything to do. I'm going I'm, I'm to tell her, hey, listen, I had the guys sign HIPAA releases, honey. <laughs> we the, were all uh, okay to talk about your medical care. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'm as a the, lawyer. I know what I'm doing. As the podcast medical consultant, I, I'm privy to that information. <laughs> yeah, and you're in legal and Burke's in finance. We're good. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're good. We're all covered. I don't see it with Mac Jones, and I don't get why Mac Jones has been moved up the, the list. Um, Mac Wilson. Oh, what did I just say? You said Mac, Mac Jones. Jones. Who is Mac Jones? Who is Mac oh. Jones? Is he in the, top the quarterback five? of Alabama? That's Mac Jones. Why do I have Mac Wilson on my sheet? You're right. It yeah, is Mac, Mac Jones. Wilson. Yeah, yeah, Mac Wilson is. Oh, God damn it. Mac Wilson's our linebacker. linebacker. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who's unprepared for this? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, he's going to be a terrible quarterback, but he, hopefully he's got yeah. some SEC speed yeah. for the Browns. Hopefully he can tackle quarterbacks, and that's all we care about. I mean, I, sure, he oh, looks Oh, Zach great. Wilson. Zach, yeah, Zach Wilson, Wilson is the BYU Mac guy. BYU guy. That's, yeah. where I, yeah. that's where I wrote it down wrong. Which Zach okay. Wilson is, I believe, in, on most people's lists, is maybe the second second best quarterback. I think he's undeniably the second pick, but yeah. let's, let's so, do this. Let's do this, Tommy. Yes. Tommy. Which of those five quarterbacks is going to be terrible? Like we joked about how um, Francona said he thought the bullpen might be sneaky good this year. Mm -hmm. I think he's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. man, there are some really good arms out there, um, yep. and even some of the guys like, um, like Mayton came in. Over yeah, who, the weekend to eat up some the innings. Guy they, they brought in uh, what's his name Hen Henkin or something. They brought in yesterday after McKenzie he was came the up. guy. They brought him in when they dumped Gommel. Oh, oh okay. good move already because he yeah, like held, yeah. he like held the yeah. he held the which game, I think right? they said yeah. they're going to have to adjust again because I think Frank Cohen's right. only got like three guys on the bench right. at this point. Yeah, well, the minor leagues start in uh, a week, so once the minor leagues get up and running, I didn't realize they hadn't been playing. Well, they've left them out in Arizona, so there's like that. Yeah, they've got guys out in Arizona at, at their complex, but they don't actually start. Is that what they talk about when they when they say alternate site? Is yes, that the alternate yes, site? Yes. Okay. No, I, I, think know, the I, know. I think the alternate site's in Cleveland somewhere, isn't it? Well, it was well, last East year. Lake. East it Lake was, was the alternate site. This year, though, the alternate site is Arizona. They're back oh, in Arizona. Okay. Gosh, so uh, they're shuffling the guys. Much rather go there than East Lake. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're. they're yeah. <laughs> You're telling me that they had to buy a plane ticket for Gommel to send them all the way to Arizona. They no, could, they put him in a they car. They made him pay his own way. <laughs> they put him in a. They put him in a. a they couldn't Civic just. And said, they couldn't just put his bed out in the parking lot like they did with <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> so. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?